Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 119. As you turn there, uh, I think we forgot one, uh, one announcement this morning, and that is uh, other, two other twins, well not two other twins, but another set of twins was born, as you'll have seen on the WhatsApp group on Friday, uh, to uh, uh, Champ and, uh, and our sister Grace, uh, Poloso and uh, Radan, Rad, Radanang. Uh, they were born on Friday well, and uh, Champ just asked that we continue to pray that, um, that uh, our grace recovers well. Uh, Psalm 119. Uh, last week, if you were not with us, we looked at a section of Psalm 119. Uh, concerning uh, a prayer from verse 33 in this, uh, this psalm. And today we're going to continue thematically uh, just uh, another part of Psalm 109. That's, psalm, uh, that's verse 57 uh, to verse 64 uh, in this two-part short New Year series on this particular psalm. And let me tell you why. I, uh, I chose Psalm 119 for us to consider as we begin a new year. Uh, with the coming of a new year comes a myriad of voices telling us what we ought to be. Uh, there are many suggestions coming from all kinds of corners of society telling us what we should want to be. Sometimes this comes overtly as people tell us directly that we should aim to be this or that. And sometimes it comes covertly, as we see other people say what they are trying to be, what they're going for in the new year. And these voices come from everywhere. Right? They're ubiquitous. Our friends tell us this. Another person tells us another thing that's contradictory to that. A new fad comes this way. Some mom influencer tells you mothers that this is what you need in order to hack your management of your children during the day. There's a new book every five minutes telling you the habits and traits of highly successful people. And you really ought to be doing that, young man. Your boss sits you down and tells you his wonderful plan for your life. Some finance guru tells you you really ought to change everything about how you're managing your money. Your friends or your family complain about you and compare you to other people and very subtly asking you why you aren't like so and so. And on top of that, some American theologian says you should be spending this time this year, this much time this year, fighting these political ideologies. Everyone, it appears that there's no shortage of people 
who want to tell you something about what you should be and where your energy should be spent. Everyone's trying to get in your ear. I'm not saying that some of those things don't have their place. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we run the risk of being pulled in too many directions, trying to become too many different things all at once, and we end up either frustrated, overwhelmed, exhausted, because we're trying to conform ourselves to different things all at once. And this morning, if you'll allow me, I want to simplify your life by reminding you of the simple calling that you have received in Christ. I want to commend to you the psalmist's simple outlook on life that we find throughout Psalm 119. When you look at Psalm 119, you can't help but see a man whose ambition is singular, whose energy is consistently in one place, whose desire is straightforward, whose heart is captured by one singular thing, whose emotions are tied to just one area, and who has a clear, uncomplicated vision for what he ought to be. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus, you are called to something similar. I want you to remind you that you are not called to keep up with the latest ideas, to constantly seek to be a different version of yourself, to bend constantly to changing ideals of being. You are distinctly and specifically called to follow in the footsteps of our psalmist this morning. So with that preamble said, let me ask you to consider this text with me. Verse 57. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. The key statement in this stanza of this psalm is the very first line. Look at that very first line. The Lord, that is Yahweh. This is the Lord's covenant name with the people of Israel. Yahweh is my portion. That phrase, that beginning line sets the tone for the entire stanza. And this phrase, Yahweh is my portion, is a phrase that the Psalter uses quite a bit. Its meaning is rich with imagery. We find it, for example, in Psalm 16, verse 5, where David says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Or that famous psalm of Asaph in Psalm 73, verse 26, where he says this, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Or David, again, in Psalm 142, verse 5, he says this, I cry to you, O Lord, I say you are my refuge, my portion 
in the land of the living. Now, the Hebrew word at the center of this is primarily used of parcels of land given to someone as an inheritance or a share in a piece of land. You'll remember that all the tribes of Israel, except for one, received a portion of the promised land. You'll remember that. The priestly tribe of Levi did not receive a portion of the land inheritance, but rather God said he will be their portion. And by that he meant he will be the one who takes care of their needs. These other tribes will have land to work and they will in one sense be eating from the fruit of their labor. But they will be eating from God's hands. This is what he says. Deuteronomy 10 verse 9. When Moses is recounting this, he says, Levi has no portion, no inheritance with his brethren. Listen to this. The Lord is his inheritance. The concept of inheritance and portion is critical to our understanding of the psalmist's ambition. One writer puts it succinctly this way. When a biblical writer says, God is my portion, he means that God is the source of his happiness and blessing. He is content with all that the Lord is and all that the Lord provides. He has the best inheritance imaginable and does not seek any possession or comfort outside of God. Riches, honor, friends, and fame, nothing is as valuable as the promise of God. If God is our portion, we need nothing else, end quote. Uh, The idea here is that the Lord, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, is everything to the psalmist. That's the idea that is meant when he says, the Lord is my portion. And that is why the very next line in verse 57 says this. Look at what it says. It says, I promise to keep your word. But actually the ESV's rendering is rather not not fully there. The, The better one is the Lexem, I believe, which says, I intend to keep your words. The phrase here is more a statement of intention rather than a promise as we would understand it. There is a clear vision here. This is what I'm going to do. Because you are my portion, this is what I'm going to do. Here is my ambition. Here is where I am staking my claim of my life. I'm going to keep your words. Because of who you are to me. You are my portion. You are my inheritance. You're everything to me. My New Year's resolution is the same every year. I'm going to keep your word. This commitment to the Lord is then expressed poetically in a few ways throughout the psalm. And I want to point out just three of them to you this morning. There's a number of things I think you can pull out of this. But I'm just going to point out three of them for you categorically for those of you who are taking notes. First, there is a request for grace as an expression of this commitment to the Lord. There is a request for grace. Second, there is a commitment to seek the Lord's ways at different times, meaning at all times. And thirdly, there is awe at God because of what He is and what He does. So firstly, consider with me in verse 58, the request for grace. Look at verse 58. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to 
to your promise. Now follow the logic with me here, friends. Because you are everything to me, I want to do everything that you say. Now please cause your face to smile upon me as I seek to do that. I'm asking that you turn your face and give me your approval as I seek to do your will because you are everything to me. I'm asking for your approving grace, your favor, your smile. That's what he is asking you for. Many people, as they plan their New Year's and as they consider their ways and their lives at different points of their lives, and they consider what it is that they want, it is evident that what they want is smiles and favor of people. They want adoration from others. At many times, the drive to achieve is not because of the achievement itself, but it's because of the praise and the smiles that come from other people because of the achievement. Does that make sense? Sometimes your your person is driving so hard to achieve and become something, getting into a new year, becoming a better, but it's not for the sake of that thing that they're seeking. It's for the sake of what other people will think when they see them having it. Many people determine their lives based on what the Bible calls the fear of man. It is the fear of man, the appeasement of man as a God that drives how sometimes we live. We appease our gods, the people that we want to, to, to give their smiles to us. We appease them. And so we draw the, way, the thing that drives us, the thing that moves us to make these resolutions or to change in ways that we are, it's because we want to make them happy. And of course, the scripture is not short of words to say about the people who are seeking the approval of men. Proverbs, for example, says this in Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Have you ever appeased people and it was glorious? Ever sought to appease people and it was a glorious thing? Seeking to make people happy, this person happy, that person happy. And it was a wonderful thing. At the end of the day, everybody was blessed. I watched a show a while ago. There's an episode of a a dystopian, uh, an imagination of a dystopian future where they were imagining, because everybody likes to be liked so much on social media, they were imagining that, that in the future we can come to a point where the amount of likes that you have and what level you are on your ratings could become currency as to where you'll be accepted in things. So because you are a 4.5, you're allowed to come into this hotel. But because you're a 4.4, you're not, allowed to, you're not invited to this wedding. It was quite, a, quite a, 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 an atro- atrocious thing. People living, and in this, this imagination, it was just people trying to please strangers, pleasing the next person. And the story was following this one lady who was just trying desperately to please the next person, the next person. So that the other people will be pleased with them. So that the person can rate you higher. So that they can be invited to this wedding. They wanted, this lady wanted to be invited to this particular wedding. And so she just wanted everybody to like her. Saying hello to people so that she can be liked. It was a disastrous, horrific, realistic picture of what it is to look for approval from people. It is disastrous. It's a trap. It brings no joy to live 
a slave to people's opinions. One musician said it perfectly this way. If you live for their acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. This musician perfectly captured it, uh, Lecrae. If you live for their acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. If that's what you're after, the smiles in favor of other people. But the psalmist here gives us, shows us a different thing. Who is the psalmist seeking favor from? God. Who is the psalmist seeking the approval of? God. And with what is he seeking it? With his whole heart. God's graciousness is what he is seeking because God has promised it. You know, do you know what, what, do you know what, dear Christian, and I want you to listen to me, Christian, listen to me, you who follow the Lord Jesus Christ with your life, listen to me, do you know what words will matter at the end of all of this, everything, you know what words will be the words that actually matter, do you know what words, the changing of a year and the new school cycle, a new job, all of it, all of your, your life, Everything is hurtling towards one set of words. Here it is. Let me tell you. These are the words that matter. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's rest. That's all that matters. That is, that is the way. That is the sum total. When you are standing there and your life is being weighed. And you're standing before your Lord who, pro, who, who purchased you with his own blood. And now he's saying, you have served me well. Well done. That's all that's going to matter in eternity. Live for those words. Don't live for the changing opinions. Live for that. That's the approval that matters. Everything in your life is leading there. You need to think about that. In the midst of all the people that you're trying to impress, think. Your life is leading to just those few words. And you need to grow to a point where your meditation and your emotional life is attached to the reality of those words. You need to grow to that point, dear saint, where you attach your emotional, your feelings, you attach them to the reality that these are the words I'm going for. He says here, I entreat your favor with my whole heart. He wants God's approving grace because God's approving grace comes with help. Look at what he says. Be gracious to me according to your promise. There is a freedom where you can be free from seeking to please people and seek the favor of the one who promises his grace. Think about this. Many people who judge you and make proclamations about your life don't lift a finger to help you, do they? But God, in Christ, promises grace to help in times of need. Seek that. Seek His approving grace. Seek His help. Seek His face, knowing that He will help you. Think on Him. Lord, draw near to me as I draw near to you. And help me to, to live in a manner that pleases you. Seek his face. And if you draw near to Christ, we see this often and always, especially in the New Testament. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. 
Well, that's first. There is a, there is a request for grace. First. Second, there is a commitment to do God's will at differing times of life. Look at verse 59. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Now, remember the logic here. You are my portion. I want to do everything you say. And at certain times, when I'm thinking on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. When it's a time, like the beginning of a new year, where I have to think on my ways, where I have to evaluate myself, I have to think, which way am I going to go? How am I going to live? When I think on my ways, look at what he does. He always turns his feet to the Lord's testimonies, to your word, to what you have said. When I'm considering and weighing up my life and thinking of how to direct my life, I turn in your direction. God is his portion and he wants to live for the audience of that one. Look at verse 60. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. When your word comes, my ambition, my intention, my life is to keep it quickly. Quickly. When it comes, when your word comes to me, I'm not one who's going to delay, slow it down, try to argue with it, try to find other opinions or try to ignore it until my conscience is soft and quiet. But I hasten. I do not delay. I do it immediately. This is the psalmist's ambition. I hasten to keep your commandments. Look at verse 61. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Now think of this. Whatever the wicked are doing to me, whatever is happening to me, whether I'm being mugged, whether I'm being attacked, whether I'm suffering a serious injustice, whether I'm being ill-treated by other people, I do not forget your law in those moments. Which means that I have, I'm not giving myself any excuse to not keep your word. Why? Because you are my portion. I don't give myself a holiday from obedience. I don't take a vacation from your testimonies. To me, your testimonies are life. Your word is life. Your precepts are good, sweeter than honey. And so because of that, even if I'm in a really bad situation, I do not forget your law. Which means that I don't respond in a manner that you hate. Which means that I'm always dictated to. How do I respond in the situation? How do I act? Because of what you have, in, in light of what you have said. I don't forget your law. I don't just say, okay, let's put aside what God has said here. Let me try and figure. Let me just give myself an, an opportunity to vent my frustrations in a manner that I like. No, look at that. When the, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me. You understand this, this image here? The wicked have their cords and they've, they've ensnared me. They've trapped me. They're, they're on my feet and they've ensnared me. They're there. They're tight. I'm trying to get out to free myself. I can't. But even in that moment, even while I'm surrounded by evil men and they are having their way with me, I do not forget your law. 
This man does not forget the Lord's law. This man thinks of the Lord's law when he's thinking about his life and how he's going to organize his life, what he's going to do with his life. This man does not delay when the word of the word of the Lord comes to him. He makes sure to keep it quickly and fast. This man, whether or not he is under duress of any kind, he wants to keep the Lord's law even at that time. This man's ambition is singular. What have you said, God? That's what I will do. Look at verse 63. Jump to verse 63 with me. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Wherever there are a people who keep your word, I am with them. Why? Why am I with them? Well, can two walk together if they are not agreed? Those who fear the Lord and keep his word are the ones this man wants to tra- spend time this man wants to travel with on the road of life because he will strengthen them and they will strengthen him. Because the thing that he wants, the, 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 the main thing that for him decides the importance of a thing is whether or not the word of God is being kept. So if he finds a group of people who are keeping the word of God, that's who he's going to be with. I have some observations. I have some observations for us, dear saints. Uh, as we consider this man. It is necessary for us to periodically confess with our mouths our commitment to keeping the Lord's word. See, this is a song to be sung. And sections of it, because they're written in this acrostic way, sections of it are to be memorized. This is an aid for us to confess with our mouths The fact that we intend to serve the Lord. The fact that we intend to obey Him at all times. Listen to me. We're not here to question whether or not you live this way. It's not what we're doing. The question here today is, is it your intention to seek the Lord's face, to pursue His commandments at all times? Do you see what He's doing? He's talking about what He's intending to do. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? Okay? The, the, the worst thing that could happen to us is that we're no longer speaking to the Lord in this way. That's the worst thing that could happen to us. When, when, when our resolve dies, when our resolve becomes weak and flimsy, and we can't even say, Lord, I endeavor to seek your face, I endeavor to do what you say at all times. That's a bad place. If you have failed in keeping the Lord's word, that's why there's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you have failed in keeping, in, in, at times when the wicked were ensnaring you and you did, you did forget the law of the Lord, it, there's forgiveness in Christ. That's why He's there. The point is not retrospective. Here, we're talking about future. We're talking about life going forward. From this point forward, how do you intend to live? That's the question that is being posed to us here by this man's example. If the Lord is our portion... If the Lord is truly our inheritance, then we should say to him, like the psalmist, my plans will always be tested by your testimonies. We should say, like the the psalmist, my desire, O Lord, is that I want all of my desires to always be tried by your truth. Let me state this truth in a different way. Don't sweat it. 
Well, I've already said this, so. Sometimes you get ahead of yourself uh, in the notes here. So I've already said this. Uh, Let me encourage us all. Let me just give us one point of application to encourage us all. Recite the stanza of the psalm this week. Pray the stanza of the psalm to the Lord this week. Make it your intentional statement to the Lord. Bring words with you. That's what, that's what Hosea says in Hosea 14. He says, bring words with you to the Lord. Yes, okay, maybe you've messed things up. In Hosea, of course, they'd messed a lot of things up. But he says there, bring words with you. Here are some words. Bring them to the Lord. Just recite this to Him. Lord, I want to do Your will. I want to make it my ambition to serve You and love You above everything. We saw a, commit, a request for grace. We saw a commitment to the word. And now we finally see adoration. Come back with me to verse 62. Adoration because of who God is and what he has done. Verse 62. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Jump to verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. This man is full of praise. Teach me your statutes. The law, the world, the whole earth is full of your goodness. Look at how you conduct things. You just, you have your steadfast love and everything. You don't give up on things. You don't give up on your people. The earth is a testimony to what you have done and what you continue to do. And your rules, your rules are righteous. I rise at midnight to praise you. You you get this idea that this man wakes up and he just says, "I, I was just thinking of this commandment of the Lord and it's just so wise, just so beautiful, just so clear. What a glorious God we have. Let me encourage you as well to recapture your praise. Your adoration of God because of what He does and what His Word is. How are we to live this year, dear saints? How are we to live this year, even as a church? It should be how we live every year. Praising and adoring our God because of His Word and His works in the world. I love the doxology because it summarizes what our life should be. Here's the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May our lives this year, dear saints, be full of praise and commitment to Him who is worthy of all praise. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, hear our words. We commit, we intend to do your will. We intend to keep it. It is our intention to walk in light of what all that you have said. Whether or not it is the beginning of the year or the end of it, whether or not we're being troubled by the wicked, whether or not... We are being confronted with our own sin and your word is telling us what to do. We want to be those who do what you say and do it quickly.
O Lord, give us grace. Like the psalmist, we entreat your grace. We entreat your favor. Lord, work in us. Give us grace, just as you have promised. And enable us to be like this. To walk this road in the manner that pleases you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.